Welcome to episode 30 of the Woke Antidote podcast. SB here with TB, who was traveling recently, and you're going to have some uh, interesting things to say from that travel upcoming on the show. What's going on, SB? Um, First, uh, just wanted to do a little congratulations to the two of us for hitting another milestone, 30 episodes in. The big 3-0. Can't believe we made it this far, to be honest with you, but... Uh, I, I don't know, like there's no sh- signs of slowing down, um, you know, just listening back to our first couple of episodes to see how far we've come. Uh, it's pretty amazing to see. So uh, nice cause for celebration. And yes, uh, I, w- I do have yet another San Francisco experience to share with all of you. Uh, but first, I do want to open up the floor to USB um, because you know, you're, you're uh, you you Boston fans got some flack from uh, no other than uh, Laywoke James uh, calling all of you racist. And I just thought I wanted to start this episode off by giving you an opportunity to defend yourself. And uh, I don't know, maybe uh, start off this episode with some LeBron hate, as we all love. Yes, LeBron hate. Um, that's a high approval rating anytime we, we hate on Lay Woke. And yeah, he not only called the Boston fans racist, he called us the quote, racist as fuck so this is lebron for you and it's funny because if you rewind back five years 2017 comments he said he's never experienced racism in boston so then we fast forward to 2022 very different climate in the world right this is the post-trump era and he says he's been dealing with racism in boston his entire life so first of all obviously that's complete bullshit we know that's not true But this is LeBron now, and he has transitioned in his life. He was first a basketball player. He was a Michael Jordan figure that was one of, if not the best basketball player of all time. He's winning championships. He's in commercials. He's this larger-than-life figure. And look, it served him well because the guy's worth a billion dollars. So what he was doing and what he has done has been the right career move. But recently, in the past couple of years... He's really gone lay woke on us. And whether it's this new HBO show, which is when he said this quote, he's talking about a lot of woke stuff on that show, whether it's stuff there, whether it's trying to weigh in on China without actually having any knowledge of the situation. And I'm referring to when Daryl Morey had that China comment and LeBron said, you got to be careful. Um, Whether it's LeBron trying to, he always has these photos of him reading these, these books these civil rights books, basically. And he's always on the first page. And I think one time someone asked him, uh, what's, what was your favorite part of the book? And he had no answer for it. So this guy, he, he keeps on showing his true colors with these ridiculous statements and calling an entire fan base racist. I'm sorry. First of all, that's not even true. And don't paint anyone and any group of people with that broad of a brush. But second, I mean, TB, do we really think that people that are getting away with saying the n-word in nba stadiums there's no chance this there's cameras in all of those stadiums there's microphones all over the place we would know if a fan was saying that we would especially know if a fan was saying a word to lebron that was racist and lebron could hear it within earshot we the nba would immediately ban that fan for life and i don't know maybe he would even go to jail for it i mean this is this is what LeBron is saying is he's he's saying that somehow he's hearing all this racism in Boston that we the technology would be able to capture it. And frankly, on a, on a human level as well, 
who's actually saying this stuff? There's been kind of multiple controversies in the past when whether it's basketball players or, or football players or baseball players, they claim to have heard a bad word, but in actuality, people have people happen to be taking video and they didn't actually say that word. They said something like it. So it's almost like these athletes hear something close to it and want to claim that the word is said. So I don't buy this at all. Um, Boston continuously gets painted with this racist brush. Um, and, and I mean, if you've been to Boston recently, you know the people living there. It's a pretty liberal city, as are most cities out there. So he's actually calling, you know, pretty intense liberals racist, which is kind of hilarious too. And and finally, you know, this is not the only ridiculous comment LeBron made this week. He's also commenting on Brittany Griner and saying, why should she even want to come back to the U.S.? Which, of course, absurd statement. He later had to walk it back. But we all know what he meant when he actually said it. And it's that LeBron doesn't respect this country, which is crazy because the guy is worth a billion dollars. How are you someone who... You grew up homeless. I think you were taken in by a family, and, and it was a white family, not that anyone should care about it, but you were homeless, taken in by a family, raised. You go to this league at 18, immediately start making millions of dollars. Now you're make, now you're a billionaire for all of the, 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 the skills and athletics you have, and yet you're hating on America. So I don't respect that. Um, I don't like hearing that, and it makes me think back to that LeBron, he just likes complaining. I mean, I've seen LeBron in person, and the biggest thing when I saw him in person was that he consistently would hang back um, after he didn't get a call, complain to the refs, and then it, his team would play four and five defense, and if if they scored, the other team scored too bad, if they didn't score, they would pass to LeBron, and he'd get an easy bucket and improve his scoring and field goal percentage because he didn't play defense for the team. So... I think like this is the kind of guy that he is. It's why people don't like him. And I just the, that comment about all of Boston. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of people saying that. And I don't even live there, but it's just funny because it's actually a a, a, a statement against liberals these days, wh whether he knew it or not. So yeah, TB had had to respond to that. And I know you've got some LeBron thoughts to it, as we all do. Yeah, I mean, this is just yet another moronic comment from lebron james and just yet another example of why i can't stand the guy i, I want to first double click on your comment about him being a billionaire now this is not excusing instances of racism in america this is not turning a blind eye to our country's past and you know of course our country isn't perfect there, there's no denying that there's work to be done like anywhere else but i still argue that america is one of the greatest countries in the world. And in my opinion, I think it is the best country in the world. And that's why it is a destination for many people throughout the world when they are going through trials and tribulations and want to have a better life. America always is kind of a shining beacon to them where they want to, you know, get, have a better life for themselves and for, for their children and their children's children. So to hear these comments from someone, as you said, SB, who made, a billion dollars playing a sport, a country afforded him that opportunity to become one of the wealthiest people just playing a game. I mean, I'm, I'm just sick of it. It comes from what it sounds like is someone who's like an entitled, you know, child, someone who just doesn't know how good that they have it and they just want more and more. And, I, you know, 
he 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 could be using his platform for so much good, but instead he chooses to be incredibly divisive. He never really says anything positive about our country, no matter all the opportunities that it's afforded him and his family. And he constantly complains about it. Uh, and, you know, he, it's, it's just really, really unfortunate. Uh, and it's, it's really frustrating, too, because, you know, like I said, he, he'd be doing so much good and instead he chooses to be negative. And I would say to LeBron, you know, if if America is so bad, if it's so horrible and you're telling Brittany Griner that she shouldn't even she would, should instead be in a Russian jail, that's a better outcome than being in America. Then why doesn't he just practice what he preaches and then move somewhere else too? like if America's that horrible, like seriously, then why, why isn't he going somewhere else? And the, the fact of the matter is because he knows that there's nowhere else better. And him him being divisive and being political and woke, he knows that's just like very good for his image and for his brand. And it's a very selfish motivation. So that that's what frustrates me even more about that. Uh, and, and, you know, and I think you brought up a really good point too, SB. Like, like you know, I'm a big New York sports fan. So Boston fans, they are not at the top of my uh, of my list of, of favorite people in the world. But to, to, as you said, to paint in broad strokes like that and call an entire fan base, one in which, as you said, is in probably one of the most liberal cities in America. Not only is it idiotic to say that, it's also pretty hilarious. So he's calling, he's effectively calling very woke progressive people racist. So, you know, I would love to see the reaction from these uh, liberal Bostonians uh, because, you know, they, they must make their head spin right now to, to be considered that. Uh, but, you know, he, I've just really had enough of this guy. Um, he could go down as one of the greatest athletes of all time. And like statistically, he will. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's going to be considered one of the best of all time. Uh, in fact, I bet a lot of sports reporters and writers would probably put him above Jordan. Not that I agree with it, but those conversations will be happening. And it's quite sad that for, quite sad for him that his legacy is going to be tainted by being remembered as someone who was very divisive uh, rather than someone who's just kind of like this bigger than life type of personality, you know, like he's never going to command the same amount of respect as a Michael Jordan. And it's because of this very reason he's all about his own public perception and image than playing for the love of the game and trying to make a, you know, a positive influence in the world. Instead, he chooses to, you know, lash out and be very divisive and attack people so it, it, he only has himself to blame. So I, I just I just can't stand this guy, SB. Well, you're you're exactly right on the divisive point because he should be lifting up the African American community and saying, if you work hard, you can do this. And and he can say, Look what look at the negatives that I grew up in. Let's not have that for our society going forward. And instead, he doesn't do that. And again, there's a broader point here, which is that there's sort of this bizarre situation, and this is driven a lot by the sports media, which I, I love, like Clay Travis always says this, that the sports media, it's actually more woke, if you, you can believe it, than the actual media, the news media. And these sports guys are so woke, and there's this bizarre situation happening where apparently sports leagues are racist. And the reason they're racist is because they're, they're not as empowering to the players as they should be. So think about it. These NBA players and NFL players, they're making 40, 50, some of them $60 million a year. 
But yet somehow the owners are taking advantage of the black community. And so it's seen as the owners, or at least the NBA is now calling them the governors of the teams. But the NBA owners are taking advantage of this disenfranchised African-American community. And the owners are mostly white. So there's a power dynamic there. And that's just total bullshit because these these players are free to choose wherever they want to wherever they want to play for each contract. They very aggressively ask for trades these days, and I think that's the reason why the NBA is losing popularity is because players play for a year and then demand a trade if they're not happy, and it, it filters down to fans as well. Um, and so, you know, one of the things I like talking about on the pod TV and sometimes in our group chats is my uh, my conversations on the bill simmons subreddit which is a collection of bill simmons fans for the past decade plus and there was a comment there the other day i just i knew i needed to say it in the pod where someone said that the nfl and football in general it's more popular because it's easier to be a racist and still be a fan it's a sport where dumb people get to pretend it's a thinking man's game and so by watching it they feel smarter um and then also it's popular in the south and the midwest so it's not going anywhere. So I, I don't think this is an uncommon thought. The, the post was upvoted in, in the Bill Simmons subreddit. But this is the kind of thinking that some very progressive woke fans, as well as the sports media, are putting out there that somehow these leagues, which are making millionaires out of so many African-Americans, is somehow extremely racist. And I, I'm sick of it. And as someone who has watched these sports and has paid money to these leagues... The, the question starts of when am I going to stop doing that? And, you know, because it is entertaining, but maybe I should stop supporting it until these players actually have a little bit more respect for the fans and the people that are that are actually paying their salaries. So, yeah, that's just it's really frustrating to me because sports, it's the ultimate meritocracy. It's not like we're out there saying we want to have less black coaches, you know, like NBA head coaches being black is always a big topic. Same thing for NFL. No, no, like no one is out there trying to be racist in sports. They're trying to win, to win the championship, to make money. And any thought that anyone around sports is incredibly racist and taking advantage of people, I, I'm sick of it. I don't want to hear it anymore. And it's going to turn me and a lot of people off from watching sports in the future. Yeah, just a quick comment uh, before we move on to the next topic here, SB. But when I see like writers like that who, you know, talked about you know nfl fans being racist um it re- actually i was reading an, uh, another article today that unrelated to sports but it was actually a, an article in the new york times that said uh the new maverick movie with tom cruise is like the uh the like alt-right's favorite new movie and like kind of like fuels that that extremism and at the end of the day those p- type of people who write articles like that you, you just have to think like these must be like miserable people who just like wake up and assume like the very worst in their common man. Like they they believe that they're surrounded by all these horrible people. And instead of trying to be optimistic and positive, they choose to see the worst. And for someone to do that, you have to be pretty down in life to even allow, allow yourself to think that way. So, you know, what? like that, that's it's just a very self-hating type of mentality. And that's why when we see stuff like that, we shouldn't take it seriously because those are coming from places and people that have a lot bigger issues going on and they, we, they don't deserve to be listened to. So I, I, just, I just, again, I just can't stand all the hatred for, for this country when there's just 
when it's done so much good, like we don't really even realize how lucky we have it. Like we really hit the jackpot here. You know, we could have been born anywhere else in a different uh, social class in a, you know, under an authoritarian government. And we, we got, we hit the, you know, the biological jackpot and, you know, we won the lottery there and we're born in the United States at this time period where health and technology is where it is. And people have it so good that instead they choose to invent problems because they, they, it's just the only way that they can occupy their sad lives. So um, I don't want to like beat a dead horse and continue and you know kind of riff on what we've already been talking about. But I, I just wanted to throw that in there because this stuff really you know gets me fired up. No, totally. And it's I think it's one of two things. One of it is self-loathing. And the second one is either lying for a living. And either of, if you're doing either of those, that's a very low form of existence, I think, especially lying for a living, because, you know, we'll have some epic gaslightings later in the show. But unbelievable that people would knowingly lie consistently every single day to make money. It's just totally insane. So, yeah, moving on here. Um, actually, TV, I have in the notes um, U.S. shithole update. Yes. <laughs> so um, what we're going to do here. We're going to play a little audio of the CEO of Starbucks, who has some interesting things to say about the state of the U.S. as seen through their stores. So we'll play that audio and then uh, TB will, will have you respond to that and talk about your latest trip to uh, another shithole. It has shocked me that one of the primary concerns that our retail partners have is their own personal safety. And then we heard the stories that go along with it about what happens in our bathrooms. The issue of mental illness, the issues of homelessness, and the issues of crime. And Starbucks is a window into America. We have stores in every community, and we are facing things in which the stores were not built for. And so we're listening to our people and closing stores, and this is just the beginning. There are going to be many more. So we have that. And yeah, TB, um, you experienced some of this recently. I did. So unfortunately, I had to go back to the San Francisco area for another work trip. So if you didn't uh, listen to one of our past episodes, um, it was titled San Francisco is a, is a shithole. Um, and that name is very apt because, uh, you know, it, that episode was about my my uh, at that time, my recent visit there. So I went back for a second time and I said, you know, I was if you listen to the episode, you could tell I was pretty scarred by the things that I saw. Like it was beyond, you know, like people people think like, oh, you know, like the right wing media plays it up. Um, they just focus on like a couple of like very bad areas of the city. But for the most part, the city is very nice and. It's not what the media makes it out to be. And I, I was just blown away by what I saw. So I came back in the second time and I said, you know what? Maybe it was just a bad time that I saw it. Maybe, maybe it's going to be, be better. Um, so on this work trip, I actually was staying in Oak, on the Oakland side of the Bay. Um, so I was mostly there, but I did uh, spend some time in San Francisco uh, for some short, short trips there. But Immediately upon visiting San Francisco, like I'm not even exaggerating, like the second I would get off the ferry to go there, I was just greeted by the the local homeless that were just tripping out on God knows whatever drug that the city is feeding them. And it's just like it was just bizarre to see like these parents with their little kids just walking by, 
completely unfazed by what was going on around them. So that that was that was crazy. Then I saw like the local gas stations just like driving around the area. And all the gas stations were about six dollars and eighty cents. So almost seven dollars to fill up a, a gallon of gas in San Francisco. So like as bad as we think we have on the East Coast where gas is around uh, five dollars, it's nowhere even near as bad as how it is in California. In addition to that, while I was there, there uh, I heard that there was a water shortage going on, as well as some there was a shortage for certain foods. So, like I went to uh, a sweet green for lunch one day. I, I wanted to get a salad, trying to be healthy, and uh, I went to go get a salad, and they were out of romaine lettuce, which is like for a place that exclusively sells salads to not have lettuce. That's a that's a big problem. So. I paid for you know about 17 bucks for the salad that was like a sprinkling of kale and then whatever the filling was. So, you know, I was, I was realizing that there's, there's a lot of problems going on in California right now. Uh, and then during my time there, in, in case you can't tell, I've, I'm dealing with a little bit of a, uh, a runny nose and congestion right now. Um, not COVID yet, uh, but still, you know, a little under the weather. So during my trip, I, you know, I wasn't feeling so hot. So I went to go to uh, an urgent care facility just to get checked out because, you know, I was around coworkers and I wanted to be sure that, you know, it, it indeed wasn't COVID. And then also beyond that, just want to make sure, just wanted to see what it was. So that way, you know, if it necessitated any medicine, I can just start taking it and get on the mend. And they, and the second that they asked me for my symptoms at the, at the check-in desk, and I explained, you know, I'm just dealing with a little bit of congestion and a cough they immediately turned me away because I was showing COVID symptoms and they said it was a state policy that uh, if I was displaying any COVID systems or any, if any patient was displaying COVID symptoms that uh, they would be, you know, they can, they can't treat them out of fear of like, you know, spraying it to other patients. So here was someone who was in need of medical care and, you know, they were turning me down because of how fearful they are of COVID. And it wasn't, and it wasn't just the, the healthcare facility, like SB, you walk around anywhere, you would think you're in a COVID apocalypse there. Like it, nothing has changed. Like meanwhile, on the East coast, well, and especially down South, while things are, you know, back to normal for the most part, you know, people are kind of, you don't really see too many masks these days. Everyone's wearing masks. They have the glass and plastic shields everywhere. Um, like when you're at restaurants or stores, all the cashiers are kitted out with like the plastic walls. Life is, life is not normal there. So um, it, it, it just, it was just a lunacy. And then my final point too, beyond just how expensive and, you know, the shortages and all that, but then also like the crime. So we constantly hear, and especially lately with, you know, the sad, you know, mass shootings that we've had in our country that SB and I have spoken at length about in recent episodes. Um, well, California is so strict that if, if anyone were to even think about a gun, the police would arrest you. That's how strict it is. And obviously, I say that in jest, but it is probably the strictest state when it comes to firearms in the country. Like, you just, like, really can't get one. You really, really, really have to try to get one. And it's an incredibly lengthy process. And what I noticed is I have, like, the Citizen app on my phone. And for those who are not aware, Citizen is kind of like this app that alerts you about local crime that's happening in your, in your area. So... I noticed like every, like multiple times each day I was there, I was there for a week, I would get multiple notifications a day about armed robberies, like within a couple of blocks 
away from me. And I'm thinking to myself, here's a, a state and a city that's incredibly tough on, on guns, and they're, they're incredibly restrictive to gun access. And yet a majority of these crime alerts that I'm getting are from people with guns robbing defenseless people. So it's just like the greatest irony to me. So clearly these gun laws aren't working and it's only hurting the, you know, the victims that they can't defend themselves and they're getting, they're getting robbed by these armed people. So all in all, you know, I will say my trip, I had a bit of a more positive experience. And I think that's more so because I was staying in a different area than I did last time. But overall, it just kind of like validated, like, why would anyone choose to live in San Francisco or to a greater extent, California? Like, you are going to be paying so much money to live there. You're going to have access to less things. You're going to be less safe. In the case of San Francisco, the weather is constantly like 60 degrees and there's like a fog that just kind of hovers over the city. So it's like always cold and kind of rainy and depressing. So, you know, you, you hear these stories about like Gavin Newsom going into Florida and, you know, starting to advertise for people to move to California because it's such a great place. And in fact, in reality, it's the inverse that's happening. It's people are fleeing California to go to, to, uh, to Florida. So it's, you know, I just wanted to share this experience because, you know, if you didn't believe me the first time I shared it, you know, I came back a second time and it just really isn't a great place. Like you really feel like you're living in a different country in a much worse country. Like it is unrecognizable to how it is, you know, where I live in the East Coast. It makes me appreciate where I live that much more. You know, I, I thought I had a lot of complaints about it, but in comparison, you know, out in California, it is it is hell on earth. It is gross. It is disgusting. It's unsafe. It's expensive. Um, and the, the people that live there, they are just so enamored with their woke ideology that it blinds them from the reality that they live in. They would rather pay exorbitant amount of money to, to live you know, for rent or to buy a home there and walk past tents right on their on their streets. Uh, but if it makes them feel good about themselves because of, you know, that they're voting for these woke things, these people are out of touch. Um, I, I just really can't reconcile this SB. I just don't understand, like, how people live this way. And it just makes me increasingly believe, like, these are people that it's going to be very hard to find any commonality with because they are just so, so different and so out of touch with the, with, with the rest of the world. Yeah, TB, selfishly for the pod, I, I don't mind you going on future trips just so we can get some more content. <laughs> but um, obviously, do not want to put you in any harm or danger. But yeah, the what I would add is I, I totally agree with you. It's very strange that these people, they are just used to it by now. So they don't even think anything of it. Oh, burglaries, it's just part and parcel of living in a city. Oh, um, a homeless guy walking around smoking meth. No, no worries. Oh, naked, naked guy in a parade. Mm, kids can see that. No problem. So they're just used to this, which is crazy. And then the safety part, it's such an issue. You, you said that you saw uh, burglaries and robberies happening. Well, we as we re were going to record the pod today, a late breaking woke, as we call it, a former NASCAR driver was filling up his gas at a California gas station. The guy stabbed to death by a homeless guy. So when Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, when he says we're closing these stores not because they're unprofitable, 
but because the employees aren't safe. I mean, that speaks, you know, incredibly negatively of the leaders in, in these cities and these counties. And of course, they're all Democrat run. We know this. It's, it's the woke uh, paradise, as, as we've called it, the woke utopia. These policies don't work. And the problem is, if, if we're going to get away from this, we're going to solve this problem. We can't keep voting these same people in. And when you have someone like a Pelosi, I mean, I'm pretty sure Pelosi wins an insane amount of the vote percentage every time she runs. How is this person doing this? San Fran's a complete shithole and that she keeps getting elected. So, you know, whether they've captured uh, the, the city and so they can't ever lose, they set it up this way. I don't know what they're doing, but I think you're right in the sense of if, if these people are going to continue electing these woke progressive politicians to enact that law o- over the city, the county, or in the case of California, the entire state, it's not going to work. And speaking of California, you brought up Newsom. I, I definitely remember Kamala said this. I think maybe even like Mike Bloomberg has said this. A lot of there's politicians that have said the following that California is a model for the rest of the country. And the problem with that statement is, okay, so what's actually what's actually California doing? You, you want drugs, you want rampant crime, you want homelessness, you want illegals flooding the state. I think the elite people in power, that's actually accurate. They do want that for the rest of the country. And, and when we hear them say that California should be a model for the rest of the country, we need to wake up. And, and we didn't even bring this up, TB, but I, you know, there's a lot of issues right now in terms of the energy grid in California, too. I mean, it's, it's funny that you mentioned there's a water shortage. I mean, I think that kind of stuff, especially in the liberal states and cities, that's going to become more evident in the future that just some of these basic utilities aren't actually going to work. And so what's going to happen, of course, and this happens with the crime, is that the people that are rich enough to move and not deal with it, they're going to move. And these places are going to become even bigger shitholes with it's either poor people that didn't have the money to move and it's new homeless people coming in from across the country because they know that they can live as a homeless person in San Fran and not actually get arrested for it. So, yeah, I think the, the, the slice of life you're bringing in here to the pod from that, I mean, it's amazing to hear. I think you're totally right, too, when you say, yeah, like when you talk to a liberal that hasn't been to California or some of these cities, they do say it's a right wing talking point. They say, oh, you know, Tucker Tucker is doing a feature on 10 cities in San Fran. Well, he's taking that out of context. Well, I'm sorry, but t- 10 cities anywhere are not appropriate and they are not the United States. They are not what we are. Like you say, it's, it's, it's like you're not even living in the same country. 10 cities are not appropriate. And it's not like he's um, taking a seven second shot and that's all. There's 10 cities all over the place. So, yeah, I think it's, it's just incredible what's going on. These people are used to it. And sadly, I just I don't see it getting any better anytime soon, as, as, as much as I hate to say that. Yeah. Uh, to kind of tie this all together, the Starbucks CEO, the, the, he was talking about the stores are closing down. They're all in Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, other parts of California. Uh, they're in uh, where, where else was this? Oh, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C. There's a common theme here. These are all woke progressive cities. And SB, like the, the common criticism that you and I get when we post on Twitter, when we post on Reddit, is that pe- the, the common reaction we hear from the left is they'll, they'll make fun of us saying, oh, 
everything I don't like is woke or that we're overusing the word woke and that, you know, we're woke doesn't really mean what we think it does. And, you know, we're just calling everything that we don't like woke. Well, that's not true. The reason why we're so against the woke is because woke goes beyond just political ideologies and feelings and, you know, you know, oh, I want to be a social justice warrior and all that. Like the ramifications of unchecked woke policies, they're disastrous. And these cities that we've just been talking about, the reason why Starbucks cannot operate in these cities is because they're run by woke politicians that Mm -hmm. let their cities go to shit where it's no longer safe because they've defunded their police to the point where the police can't do anything and people are less safe to the point where if someone commits a crime, they are back out in the street within hours. And, you know, in, in, in New York City, for example, there was a story just a couple of months ago about a woman who was brutally raped and murdered by someone who had been in and out of the, of the prison system like eight or nine times. And I believe it was either the day before or that very day he was arrested and then released without bail. And he then c- committed this, this horrific murder and, and rape. And it's, you know, it's just, this is what happened. This is why we're so against the woke. This is why we've dedicated our podcast to that because these are all the tangible, you know, just consequences of what happens when you let these insane people just run amok and do whatever they want. It just like screws up the places that you live in. And we love our country too much to allow that. It doesn't come out of hate. In fact, it, it, it comes, it's the exact opposite. It comes from a place of love. It comes because we love our family and our neighbors so much that we don't want anything bad to happen to them. That's where it comes from. So yeah, I just wanted to, to throw that in there because it's a very common misconception when we criticize the woke, but you know, it's, it's because like, as I've been saying, because of the, the very dire consequences of it, that's why we need to react so strongly against it. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And I, I think we are, I think we're, we are providing the reasons why, we cannot have this. And I think um, more and more people look, it's it's not about feeling all nice and fuzzy and warm inside. It's having policies that make for a safe environment. And I'm sorry, but that means that if you're committing a crime, you're gonna have to be charged for it. And if you're a criminal, you're going to be in jail. And so, yeah, a woke utopia where there's no crime would be nice, but that's not reality. So these people have to have to come back to reality. But TB, speaking of someone that's that's never in reality these days, our, our president, Mr. Joe Biden, had another ridiculous week. And so this this one. So the guy visits Saudi Arabia. Now, the, the purpose of the visit, I think it's partly to talk about the relations in the Middle East and with Israel and whatnot. But a big part of it is essentially trying to go there to beg, I would say, for Saudi Arabia to work with OPEC. Um, to actually be producing more oil so that gas prices can go down. And so we have this situation where when gas prices go up in the U.S., um, Biden blames everybody else. He claims that it's Putin's fault. He claims that it's the gas station's owner's fault. He claims he can't do anything about it. And then when gas prices go down, it's Biden and his team had this amazing move and got gas down 10 cents in two weeks. So we, we all know it's total bogus. But he's going in a hat in hand trying to get something done, and he left with nothing. He made a fool out of himself. So this is a Bloomberg headline. So Bloomberg News, neoliberal media outlet for the financial community run by Michael Bloomberg. 
Um, the headlines is that Biden to leave Mideast with no immediate announcement on oil. And decision is going to be announced as scheduled at the next OPEC Plus meeting. We'll see. And U.S. officials say that Saudi trip will yield understanding, quote unquote, on supply, which, again, totally ridiculous. And if you know, if you want some hilarity, compare this to Trump, who he didn't even need to go over there. He just called up Saudi on the phone and said, if you don't get this damn price of oil down, we're cutting your supply. You were cutting our military and our our protection for your safety in the Middle East. And what do you know? They immediately got the gas prices down. So just totally ridiculous. And then I wanted to introduce a, a woke whiplash here because, you know, the, the fist bump heard around the world was was when Biden fist bumped with um, MBS, the Saudi prince who apparently was involved with the killing of that Washington Post journalist. Well, when Biden does that, you know, hey, the, the New York Times and, and everyone else, it's all good because he brought it up in a private meeting. He said that killing that journalist was wrong. Well, when Trump did it, it was he's cozying up to dictators. And when Biden does it, it's a great diplomacy in his part to try to better the U.S. economy. So total bullshit. And then TV, final final piece on this before passing it to you, Pete Buttigieg, who we love to hate in this podcast because who doesn't? This guy is, I mean, this guy was like made in a lab to try to be the next president of the United States. This guy is crazy. And so he actually is on the record. He was in, in the media this past week saying that we're, we're for cutting the cost of electric vehicles because when you have an electric vehicle, you're also going to be able to save uh, on gas. So it's almost like on one hand, Biden's going for show to Saudi Arabia, not getting anything done on getting gas prices down. And on the other hand, they're they're purposely doing that almost because they want the they want the transition to electric vehicles and off of fossil fuels, which, of course, as everyone knows, Biden promised we're going to get off fossil fuels when he was running for president. And this is the same Pete Buttigieg who fakes riding to work in a bike. He, he rides for 10 seconds when the camera's there. And then when he thinks the camera's not there, they literally load his bike up into a gas guzzling SUV and drive him to his department of transportation or whatever it is. So the guy is the most, the guy is probably the phoniest guy in the history of us politics. It's insane. So we, we just have this whole ridiculous charade of the Biden administration and, you know, people are feeling it in their wallets. We don't like it, but we, we definitely don't like being misled about what's going on in the economy. And so we're sitting here and Biden is saying, yep, gas prices are down a couple cents and you should thank me for it. And oh, yeah, the only reason it's up is because of the Republicans and Putin. So just just another classic week in, in the trials and tribulations of Joe Biden. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, I mean, uh, the guy doesn't command respect whatsoever. Like there was a, a clip that I saw that um, showed the, the difference in uh, the welcoming party bet- uh, between Trump in Biden when they visited Saudi Arabia and it, it just was night and day, uh, completely different. Trump had all the fanfare and pageantry, Biden, not really much of a, a spectacle at all. So, you know, obviously that's just, you know, a little example, uh, but it, it does speak to, you know, the amount of respect or, or lack thereof that, that Biden commands. And like, as you said, SB, for him to go on this trip, and not even really accomplish anything speaks further volumes about the lack of respect and authority that he commands on the world stage. Like 
that was the biggest reason um, that the left pushed Biden out there. They said that he was a um, a master at uh, foreign relations, that he would you know put peace in the world where Trump created a lot of unrest. Um, you know that, that he'd be the perfect uh, solution for our country's problems and like the world problems. And in the in, in the you know the exact opposite's happening. You know, this is an example. We saw the disaster that happened in Afghanistan where, you know, he pulled out and just let that country go to shit. Like, you know, it's time after time that he just con- continues to fail. And you have to say to yourself, you no, know, Joe Biden, the guy who shakes his hand with with invisible air, the guy, the, the guy who he pulls Ron Burgundy moments where he just reads off, you know, just like scripts of how to like, you know, to end a quote or like repeat a lie like he, he repeats that you know it's things like that where our enemies and even not even our enemies but even our allies they just had to realize america looks very very weak you know us on the domestic side we we see that so i guarantee you on the world stage that, that we see that that they see that as well so he commands zero absolutely zero respect and then you know i think that that quote from pete Buttigieg that you shared sb that speaks you know, that, that speaks volumes about the left's entire worldview that they like, I don't know what happened to the Democrat Party. They used to be the party of like the working class. I remember my grandparents when they immigrated to America that they registered as Democrat voters for that very reason. But they've turned into this elite class. Like it's now you have to be like very wealthy to be a Democrat. And Pete Buttigieg, like you're right, like it was like he was made in the lab. And like he, the way his entire stance on this, that he's like glad that gas is so expensive because it's forcing people to buy very expensive electric vehicles. Like, yeah, his white liberal college educated voting base, they can likely afford that. He can certainly afford that. But the common person can't. And it just shows you that the pain is all intentional. And that's what makes it all like even worse to stomach. So, you know, if you're just like a common, if you're just a common American, that let's say you're not even like really politically inclined one way or the other, but you're just like a middle class person. Like hopefully the past two years have shown you like you're feeling the pain now of like what happens when you let these folks run our country. Like it's not good. It's it, like it, it, you're worse off for it. So, you know, th- this Democrat Party, they have become overrun by the woke that they're unrecognizable anymore. Like they're not really the democrat party of yesterday you know they, they are something they've turned into like this frankenstein that no one recognizes anymore it's, it's quite sad to see so yeah yes b i, I think you, you absolutely nailed it um there's definitely double standards in the world the media is going to continue to cover for biden's gaffes because they have to but you know for a fact trump would never get this this amount of leeway or defense you know had he been doing had he been doing anything like this at all, it'd just be it'd be a completely different story. And, you know, I, I think the media hypocrisy just becomes more apparent day after day. Yeah. And, and TB to what you were hitting on uh, a couple seconds ago, like we have this conversation all the time in our group chat. How much pain is enough for woke progressives and people on the left to actually start voting conservative? Because. They have felt it in their 401ks. They have felt it in inflation. They're feeling it everywhere. And they might lose their job soon if the economy continues the way it's going and companies have to cut costs because they can't pass on any more costs to a consumer that has basically stopped 
having any money to spend. So when are those people actually going to go conservative and maybe they're going to say, hey, maybe I don't agree with the, the traditional view of some of these social issues, but I am getting poorer by the week and I need better policies to improve the economy. So, yeah, I really wonder when that's going to happen. And then briefly on that before um, popping into rewokables in a second, there's still epic gaslighting going on with the economy. So apparently millennials, you know, like TV, they don't blame millennials enough um, for any anything like for, we're blamed for everything. Now, now we're the reason that there's inflation, because apparently there's too many millennials. And so there's too many people chasing goods. So the, the, there's a chief, chief investment officer on CNBC from Smead Capital Management. Never heard of this guy, but his quote was that what everyone's not including in the inflation conversation is that what really causes inflation is too many people with too much money chasing too few goods. And so the implication is that there's too many millennials with too much money chasing too few goods. I'm sorry. I don't think millennials actually have that much money because all the money is going to rent and to student loans and now to inflation. So we don't actually have that much money. And especially after the stock and crypto crash. All right. So I don't want to hear that from these people. And then the other epic gaslighting, I saw this on Friday. We had U.S. retail sales came out. They were up 1% in June. And CNBC's with the headline, retail sales rose more than expected in June as consumers remain resilient despite inflation. Here's the problem with that. Inflation was up 1.3% in June. So the actual real sales, if you take out inflation, were negative. So, like, this is just so classic. Everybody's covering for Biden, whether it's the economy, whether it's his diplomacy or lack thereof, whether it's the speeches, the the random handshakes uh, in the midair. I mean, this is just a joke. So, no, I think we need to hit on that this episode because, I mean, really, TB, if we wanted to have a, a greatest hits of Biden, we could do that every week. But we <laughs> we uh, we do have to move on here to uh, to some rewokables. And so. Let's uh, let's start off here. I want to give you the floor here, TB, on um, a Hispanic comment from the Democrat Party this past week. Yes, another none other than Dr. Jill Biden, because apparently not referring to her as a doctor, even though she's not a medical doctor, is incredibly insulting to her. Um, so we have to call her Dr. Jill Biden. Um, but I don't know, like who her advisor is, but. Someone needs to advise her to to stop speaking at Hispanic rallies because it just never ends well with her. So if you don't remember, she had that famous gaffe where uh, instead of saying si se puede, she said si se padre. Um, and, you know, she just completely butchered that. And then to, you know, just the other, you know, this week she's speaking at a Latin X in in, in ex, inclusion but instead of a c it was like an x so i don't know even know how to pronounce that but she was speaking at that rally and she said she made multiple guests she said that latino people are as diverse as new york bogotas so uh, i don't know if she was referring to uh a city in colombia because uh you know that, that bogota um, you know, I, you know, she so she completely butchered bodega, and then she said that Latino people are as diverse as the breakfast tacos <laughs> in San Antonio. So, again, I don't know why they keep 
putting her out there to speak on Hispanic things when like she just like fails at it completely. Like she, she, she they should just stop her because she just makes herself look like a fool. And also, if I'm gonna, you know, let me just play devil's advocate here. Put on, you know, put on my liberal hat here and you know get, go into the, the shoes of a liberal. Uh, SBI. Actually, I think uh, as a Hispanic here, I, I, I sh- I'm quite offended by that. I find that very racist of her to say that, calling me a, a taco, and does, doesn't know how to pronounce uh, bodegas. So, very, very racist of, of Dr. Jill Biden. And SB, can you just imagine the media reaction if this was Melania Trump who was making these gaffes about a minority community? Oh, how terrible! How how awful! How racist! You know that would be all over the headlines, but of course she gets a pass. But this was just, this was hilarious. Like it, it, she, she's, she's just one gaffe after another. I guess maybe that's why uh, her relationship with Joe works so well for them. I mean, I just can't believe that you guys have to deal with this. The, the Hispanic community is being so patronized by Democrats. The fact that you have to vote a certain way, the fact that, we think Latinx should actually be what you guys are called. The, the Spanish language specifically has a male and female part of the language because that's what normal people think. That it's, it's not a woke progressive language. So the fact that they keep on doing this to you guys, I mean, it's, it's just a total joke. I feel, I feel bad because you shouldn't have to deal with this. And you know, the good news is this is being recognized. We talk about it on the pod all the time, but the data keeps on rolling in. And we had new data this past week. So this was an Axios headline. I mean, this is what we've been saying. Democrats are becoming the party of upscale voters concerned more about social issues. And GOP is quietly building a multiracial uh, coalition of working class voters. So this is just insane that so Hispanic voters, according to Axios here, they backed Democrats by 50-point margin in the 2018 midterms. But currently, it's tied Republicans and Democrats for Hispanics. Meanwhile, Democrats hold a 20-point advantage over Republicans among white college-educated voters. So pretty much the exact opposite of what the media wants you to believe, that this the Republicans or this white supremacist party that's all about racial identity for whites that that exactly opposite is happening. The Hispanics are rolling into the Republicans, and I, I think it's going to get a lot worse for them. I think it's 50-50 now. Let's see majority Hispanic, and I think that's going to be coming. So, yeah, I, yeah. I just I can't believe you guys have to deal with this. Yeah, like just to circle back to the the Latinx in exclusion or whatever, however the hell they want to pronounce it, that rally that uh, Jill Biden was at. Um, so I've spoken to my Hispanic relatives about that about like this new term latinx and they are just like confused by it they never use it they never heard of it and when i told them that they are they just like laughed and i was talking to uh my relatives who currently live in south america and they they like made the remark that like wow we must really not have any issues going on if like that's what we're getting caught up on like no one uses that terminology and i remember the very first time I ever heard the term Latinx, it was at one of my past companies, a, an incredibly woke tech startup, and a white liberal HR manager informed us that he, he made a, a remark that, you know, uh, something about 
Latinx candidates. And I remember just like having like a, just a confused reaction to that because like I had never heard that expression before. So here was a white liberal telling me as a Hispanic uh, a terminology about my people that I've never heard and tell me I have to use that. So it just speaks to the crux of the issue that these are all these these terms, these issues, they're all invented by white liberals. And, you know, you could say maybe it's like coming out of a place of good and like maybe they feel like some guilt and they want to use that. But like, you know, the more that like time goes on, SB and I interact more with these like woke social circles, I realize like it's it's more so like to pat themselves on their back to, to show off like how educated and progressive that they are, that they use these like high fluting language uh, to just really flex their their. Uh, you know, just their, their muscles here. So it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's lazy and it's also, it's all self-serving theater. And that's why I just can't really respect it because they try to pass it off as trying to be inclusive and, and nice, but it's all for their own self-promotion. And that's why and that, I think that speaks to the, you know, a lot of like the woke liberal mindset. It often is, it, it often is self-serving purposes you know, I'm not saying everyone who's woke doesn't have good motivations. I'm sure there are people who are misguided, but, you know, well-intentioned. But I would say for your classic, you know, white liberal college educated person, you know, you know, the type, the people who post on Instagram, the people who, uh, you know, post on, on Facebook about the latest trend, they just want the likes, you know, they want the, the recognition. Like if, if they really cared that much, like think about any of these, you know, so recent social justice movements or, you know, any like, you know, a- anything like that. Um, you know, like, like, like Roe v. Wade, for example, you know, the, the, instead of like if someone like actually like genuinely cared and wanted to do good and it meant a lot to them, instead of just like posting online and then doing and then sh- doing nothing about it, they could like it would mean more if they like quietly in their personal lives, like did something about it. So like if you're if you're upset about you know the the rich making too much money and that the poor people don't have any help or anything like that it would mean way more if like a liberal person went to a local uh soup kitchen or like a clothing drive and or like a food shelter and like donated and volunteer there because like they're actually practicing what they're preaching and like not telling anyone about it just doing it because of the goodness of their heart that would like mean a way mo- a, a lot more but instead, in often cases, what they'll do is they'll bitch about it on social media or they'll like, you know, say something that's woke, get those digital likes, but then they do nothing about it in their personal lives. Maybe they like volunteer once with work and, to, and they, they post pictures of themselves volunteering and then they get all the self-congratulation and they'll feel, feel good about themselves. But it's usually selfish. And uh, sorry, I know I'm on, on a rant here right now, but. I just need to call it how it is, SB. Uh, I, I really have a hard time respecting these people because they're just, they, they just are for, out for themselves. It's all selfish and I just can't stand it. No, I, th- I think you hit on something that's really important to examine. And one of the things I've been thinking about is that it's, it becomes, when they go woke, it really becomes their whole identity. So we explored this last pod with um, you talking about woke being. Like, why does everyone have to have a woke opinion and share it at work? Um, insane. So I think this is what happens when 
these people go on Team Woke, and then all of a sudden they, they feel as though they need to share all of the woke opinions. And so, yeah, they're throughout their daily life, they're they're just never going to go away from that. So like, oh, it's almost like once you've gone woke, you can't go back. Um, and I think there's a couple of great examples of this recently. So we had the human rights campaign with the tweet saying, say it with us, abortion rights are LGBTQ plus rights, which that, I mean, that logistically doesn't actually make sense. That biologically doesn't make sense because by definition, if you're LGBTQ, you can't actually reproduce. So why would they actually tweet that? And so I think there was comments on there, people saying, what are you even talking about? And then I think this also speaks to talking about the, the trans community. Josh Hawley, Senator from Missouri, uh, apparently he's, quote, inciting violence against trans people for asking people if men can get pregnant. And so this is this is when you're on the woke side is that you have to adhere to everything woke. And what that currently means is that you can say men can get pregnant and you also cannot define what a woman is. So I recently watched, I've been telling you about it, the Matt Walsh, What is a Woman documentary, fantastic film. And the key parts of that film are really when he tries to get people to define what a woman is. And they go, oh, it's someone who identifies as a woman. Inevitably, they say that. And then he goes, okay, what are they identifying as? And then it's, oh, someone who feels like a woman. It's like, okay, what is that? What is a woman? It's the point of the film. No one can answer it. And TV, when when we were promoting the most recent show, I was in the Orville subreddit talking about the trans issue from, the, from their last episode. And I got in that same exact conversation with someone where they weren't understanding when I said, this is circular logic. Can you tell me what a woman is? And they just couldn't do it. They said someone who identifies as a woman and just kept on saying that. So these people are they're increasingly on this side taking absurd and bizarre positions. And it, it, it's at a certain point, it's almost like a ritual of, of how how crazy of a statement can we force people to make before they've just had enough. And we haven't reached it. But TB, I would say, don't you think we're close with men getting pregnant, I mean, aren't we almost there? Uh, so this this law professor, um, Kiara Bridges, I want to talk about her her background a little bit because I think this will this is important context to kind of get in the mind of the woke person and how they think. So she actually, you could point to her as coming from a, a place of a of a privileged upbringing. She, uh, you know, she went to uh, Spelman College, then went to Columbia Law School. She is a classical ballet artist. So, um, SB, I don't know about you, but I don't think uh, ballet is a common hobby for the uh, the common man. I, I'm pretty sure you have to be uh, quite wealthy to to get into that uh, you know, that 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 devotion. And I, I do not, and this is late breaking woke. Um, disclosed TV one hour ago, ballet has been dropped from auditions at leading dance schools as staff claims its contentious nature is rooted in white European ideas. Wow. So she's sounding pretty woke. So just wanted to throw that in before you continue. No, thank you for adding that. So that just makes my point even, even more. So, so here's someone from a very highly educated, highly privileged background who now parrots that 
And she says, Josh Hawley, just asking her a question if men can get pregnant, that is inciting violence against the trans community. Like, that just shows you, like, how the woke person thinks. Like, the second that their worldview is challenged, they immediately resort to calling you, like, a bigot so that you are, they say that you're inciting violence against them. Like, it's as if you're, you're talking to a child. Like, that's the level of, like, discourse that you're having. Like, they're not willing, like, she can't just, like, sit down with you and talk through, like, the merits of, like, the, uh, the transgender community or, like, or, um, like, gender ide- uh, identity. She can't, like, talk through that at a philosophical level. Like, she has to resort to name-calling to, to win the day. So that, that's just one point I wanted to make. But, you know, the, the secondly, and just, like, and more importantly here, is that I think this speaks to a bigger issue in our country and why that we are having, you know, woke ideologies, like, starting to infest our country and, you know, why these people are becoming in positions of power is because people like her, are now in a, are, are in positions of power that they are teaching our, chi- our our children and future generations of people. She's a law school professor, so someone who is saying this, like just imagine being a student in her class, the way that she treated Josh Hawley, you know for a fact she probably treats her students who are less of an authority figure. She probably treats them a lot worse. So if anyone were to speak up, and sh- and share their opinion, she probably would shut them down immediately. Probably would give them bad grades to you know out of, out of uh, you know, just uh, just to kind of get back at at them. So, you know, she, it's a very intimidating environment. And, you know, th- these are the people I- instructing our kids and they're they're raising future generations of people who like believe in this crap because, you know, it's it's not their own fault. This is what they're being instructed by someone in an authority position. And SB, I, I shared this with you before we hopped on, but it really reminded me of a personal experience I had with my own college professor. So I was in a, a uh, freshman year writing seminar class, and we had um, just finished watching this movie, uh, I believe it was called Crash. Um, so it was, it's about, um, it kind of explores racism in uh, American society. But, um, you know, I, I actually thought they did it in a way that was, you know, it, it obviously, obviously it was played up and dramatized, and it was kind of showing that racism is omnipresent and it's you know it's it's a it happens every single day to to people at all times um so you know obviously i thought that was played up but they did show how people of different racial backgrounds uh and and identities how they were racist to one another so you know obviously the, the white male you know was a frequent racist character in the film as you'd expect but they did show like at the very end of the movie for example there's a car accident between a black woman and an Asian man, and the black woman started calling the Asian guy uh, an Asian slur. And so I was writing a paper in reaction to this film, and I actually really enjoyed the film. And I, the statement that she like so much contested and verbally like scolded me in front of the class about was I said that racism is ugly in all of its forms, and that unfortunately, like the film kind of d- dived into how people of all racial backgrounds are capable of being racist and you know it's you know how ugly that is and that you know like i i'm saying how ugly racism is and like how it shouldn't exist in society like something that i thought was like not controversial and just like common sense that i think anyone would agree with and she like verbally rebuked me in front of the entire class so like imagine me just like as a freshman i think i was like a month or two into my college experience so how intimidating 
that was for me as an 18 year old or uh, to, to go through that. And she scolded me saying that, I, you know, I, I said that other, like anyone could be capable of racism. And then she went on to say how, you know, racism is a power construct and that um, only white people are capable of racism because they can, you know, actually enact on the racist thoughts, thoughts, whereas a black person, they may have, uh, you know, uh, racist feelings, but they can't do anything about that because society doesn't put them in positions of power to, to do anything about it. So it was just kind of like just that woke social garbage uh, BS that she was parroting. But th- th- that reminded me so much of this Kiara Bridges story because that, you know, she was dictating thought and discourse and speech in her classroom. So I wasn't, I didn't have the opportunity to defend myself, speak out. Like she kind of just like, was a dictator in that sense like she shut down the conversation so you know this this whole story like yes like the the instant reactions like you laugh at how how silly it is that a college professor is like denying basic human science and just sounds like a moron but i want to uh peel back the onion a bit another layer deeper because i think it does speak to like what's going on in the classroom and why we speak so much on this topic because the, like our kids and our, you know, even college kids, their heads are getting filled up with this garbage. And, and then they, they start becoming raised and, you know, their worldview changes and they start believing that this is truth. And that's why you have like all these like messed up people and, and you know, these people who eventually run these woke cities that go to shit. They are all they're all the byproducts of like this woke ideology that, that they're learning about in school. So, yeah, it, that this whole story just reminded me of, you know, what I kind of experienced and. It's it's just it's just silly, SB. Like a college professor, so highly educated, and then yet is saying a man can get pregnant. Like, what kind of world are we living in here? Yeah, this is a massive problem. It does not get talked about enough. I experienced it. You did too. Luckily, we came out okay. But there is most of the people that experience the hardcore liberalism at college become hardcore liberals. It's why. The white educated class, that's the one that's a voting Democrat because they have these ideas implanted in their heads. They have so much propaganda. If you look at the political designation of professors at colleges, just search that stat at some point, it's 95% plus Democrats and liberals and even less than 5% conservatives. It's almost you can't be a professor at a college. If you're conservative, I would even say I would extend that to business schools, too, and economics and whatnot. Still, they expect you to have pretty liberal views if you're going to be a tenured professor there. So these kids have this incredibly bad vision of the actual country. They're taught the country they grew up in is this terrible racist place. And oh, what happens then? They get out of school. They just paid, I think, TV. It's up to 80 grand a year now. So they're, yep. in student, they're in student debt for $300,000 if you go to a top school. They were just taught to hate themselves and to hate the country. And now they actually do kind of hate themselves because they're in $300,000 of debt. And they're working at a Starbucks to bring it back around that someone is smoking meth in, in the bathroom and they don't feel safe. So, yeah, this is – it's it's a total mess. It's only going to get worse, I think. I don't I, it's kind of the wheels have been set in motion here. I think it's going to get a lot worse, which is sad to say. I I hope it doesn't, but I think it will. And I I really think what well you talked about in San Fran and Oakland 
um, and we can finish the pot on this, the fact that they have been so intense about COVID there and they, they're almost afraid to go out and live. They're in constant fear. I really think this is another key element of the woke and the Democrats is that they keep people like that so afraid that they vote for big government, essentially, that you can't do anything. You're not safe. Vote for us and, and we'll protect you. And that, you know, is is no more um, shown than Anthony Fauci, who we on the pod um, to give ourselves credit. I mean, we do that from time to time. We like to pat ourselves in the back a little bit. But we told you guys, we said we we know Fauci, he's going to be back. He was quiet for a couple months, but they're going to whip him out when they need it. And oh, what do you know? He's back on the news now. So his latest, he has emerged to say that there is a new BA 2.75 variant from India. That's an issue. And you know what? We're going to have to mask up again. And the whole country is going to have to be like San Fran and Oakland where everybody's wearing a mask. And LA is either considering a mask mandate or they will do a mask mandate in a couple weeks. If you look at there's data out there, you can see the rise in COVID and, you know, there's red on the map that says COVID transmissions up 25%. And then you're going to get an alert that says you have to mask up. So this is keeping us in fear once again. And look, is BA 2.75? Is that the midterm variant? I don't know, but it very well could be. So yeah, I'm prepared for anything and anyone who says COVID is over, like I've always said, no, like COVID's never over because the Democrats realized they could have such control over us from this so they can always kind of tweak it. And I think you totally proved that by describing what you saw in San Fran and Oakland, these liberal places. COVID is not over there. And I think it's, it's not over there. And they're trying to make it not over in the rest of the country. Yeah, I think you, like, absolutely nailed that, SB. And I think that speaks to, like, the broader problem with, like, very extreme liberal ideology. Like, they really look at government as the all-knowing and omnipotent, you know, source, you know, uh, foundation for, for people to rely on. And I think that's why we see that, like, extreme woke people, they're so anti-religion um, because rather than people turning to God or, you know, or a higher power for their comfort and, you know, faith and, you know, and source of strength, they want people to turn to government. That's what keeps them in charge. That's what keeps them in power. And then to what you were saying too, about like how, you know, the things I saw in California, how people are like afraid of COVID over there. It's because that they are listening like way too much to their government. Like their government is telling them to live in a constant state of fear and that only the government has a solution for, for their, this problem. And in the meantime, while they, they're doing all this, they're ignoring common science. They're, you know, basic facts where, you know, it's been proven that, you know, masks really didn't stop the spread of COVID-19. Like, unless you had like a super intense K95 mask that, mo- that most people don't have access to, you know, it really wasn't stopping the spread. And, you know, you look at the statistics with these recent trends, like the death rate is dwindling. Like they're nowhere near like the death rate of the early strains of COVID-19. These are, you know, maybe more virulent, but they're, you know, more transmissible. But in terms of like deaths and hospitalizations, it's way down now. That's just the nature of viruses. But they ignore all of that. They they choose to, to listen to their you know political leaders 
and they they ignore the reality around them. Um, and, and you know what we what I saw in San Francisco is just kind of it, it really just it captures that perfectly. These just like I always say this to my friends, like imagine being someone like them, just constantly living in fear. Like what type of life is that? You know, they're you see them all the time. If you fly, it's the people wearing the goggles and the triple masks and the and the gloves, like constantly panicking about this this thing that like we've kind of figured out now. We figured out how to treat. We've we've gotten the vaccinations out. Even if you're not vaccinated, the recent strains really aren't that deadly anymore. Like they're, you know, you'll get you'll get a little sick, but it's no different than the cold or flu. And people never freaked out about the cold or flu before. Like the flu actually kills the most people amount, a most amount of people per year. And no one panics about that. But for COVID, they've listened to the Fauci's of the world and the, you know, uh, Rachel uh, Walensky's of the world where they, they tell them to, you know, constantly panic and wear masks all the time or you're going to get it, you know, unless you, you light a candle to, to St. Fauci, you're going to get it. And it, it's just it's the greatest irony to me. These very highly educated people, they they just have lost a, a grasp of science. They've lost a grasp of reality because they choose to listen to their political leaders, you know, over common sense. And, and, and San Francisco is a perfect representation of that. Well, TB, we'll, we'll see how good Spotify's artificial intelligence is because we'll see if we get slapped with the COVID warning on oh, this God. pod. We already have one that got slapped with that, one of our first ones. It could have been because we put COVID in the title, but remember how so Joe Rogan was there with his free speech and they they then instituted the rule that if they were talking about COVID in the pod, yeah. You had to have a statement before saying that some of these opinions might not align with medical experts. So, hey, if you do hear that in the beginning of the pod, well, at least, you know, you're going to get to something about COVID later on. So, yeah, but TV, I, I think we, we covered a lot with this one. Um, you know, the woke just rolls on. I think, you know, Lay Woke came in hot. That was a great one. Um, obviously, we, we got to get the update in your trip. And that kind of was perfect with Starbucks. And then. Joe is uh, always giving us Joe and Joe and Jill. Actually, we had both the Joe and Jill comment this week. So, yeah, I think that I think we uh, we kind of we had a good one here. Anything else to say? No, um, I will just close out by saying, you know, especially because I was away on travel this week, I really didn't think that there was uh, too much going on. And then when SP and I were catching up yesterday and this morning, you know, think about what we were going to talk about, we realized you know, quite amount of, a, a big amount of craziness and wokeness was happening this week. So I'm glad that we were able to touch on all this. Um, again, like the woke continues to keep the lights on here. So uh, we only have them to thank. Yeah. Lay woke, James. I don't like him as a person. And I think he is overrated as a, a social uh, standing and talking about these issues. But if he's continuing to provide the content for us, then what, what can I really say? <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, we uh, we appreciate all the listeners. Give us a, uh, a five-star review if you can. Write something. Tweet to us. Give us your feedback. And uh, tell, tell a friend, tell a family member, because we want to keep growing the pod. That's right. Well, and uh, until then, we'll catch you all on Twitter. Till next time, folks. Cheers. Should I actually go to that conference in San Fran for the pod? Oh, God. <laughs>